Welcome to Mental Wealth for Entrepreneurs podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. My guest today is Jackie Bertalet, a founder of Hootie Ohio magazine. This is Jackie's fourth incarnation of a fashion-based business. And in the last four years, Jackie launched one corporation that holds six businesses, all from her kitchen table. So let's dive right in and listen to Jackie's story now. Welcome to another episode of Mental Wealth for Entrepreneurs podcast. It is my pleasure to have Jackie Bertalet on the program. Uh, Jackie, just to introduce you, um, it's it's amazing uh, to have you on a podcast because I don't think I've met anyone with such a huge portfolio of businesses to run. <laughs> you are uh, an editor-in-chief of Porte Ohio magazine. You have your own modeling business. You have a photography business. And you do so much. You've been running uh, a fashion week. Um, How did it all start? (laughs) Well, I suppose it started back when I was in college. And um, my degree is in commercial photography. And I always knew that I wanted to do fashion. But it wasn't like a huge industry then. uh, Because I'm a little bit older than (laughs) than the average. So um, when we were in school, we actually learned on film. Um, so digital was a bit of a transition for me over the last, you know, 20 years or so. But um, I knew then that I wanted to go into editorial fashion photography. So that's where it all started. Um, but I was afraid being a Midwest girl, although I'm from a, a you know, moderate sized town, Cleveland, you know, so um, Cleveland, Ohio is a fairly good sized city in the United States. But I was too afraid to move to New York where the actual jobs were in that career field. Um, and so I kind of just let that dream go because it just was, I was just too afraid and there wasn't anything like that in the Midwest where I was from. So I just kind of would pick and choose here and there where I could work. And then I held a day job for a long time. Um, although I've always been in the creative arts. So my day job has always been, um, in graphic design or things of that nature. So that's how all of these things came together. And um, about 12 years ago, I had to resign from my position as a graphic designer because my third child was born and he was um, not well. He was pretty ill. And so I had to resign to come home with him. And after we got comfortable with with the single income within our family, and of course, he was cleared for health and issues and all of that, um, we decided that. I was going to stay home with the kids. You know, we, we were okay on a single income, so someone was going to stay home with the kids. And so I did that and started homeschooling my son, but found myself needing more than just that. So I thought, talk to my husband. And my husband said, you know what? That's what you love to do. You're great at photography. Why don't you start the magazine you always wanted to work for? And I was like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> but there it is. Five years ago, we started and we launched Hoto Ohio Magazine. And along the way, we have added Ohio Fashion Week, Ohio Fashion Awards, Great Lakes Fashion Network, um, Fashion Alliance. 
Um, I mo manage models under Discovered Model Scouting and Management, DMSM Group. And um, I'm a commercial photographer, Jacqueline J. Creative Arts. And I'm a fashion designer under RJ Luna Haute Clothier. So I kind wow. of everything. And of course, I have a background in graphic design as well. So, yeah, well, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so the magazine was the first sort of venture, right? It was. The first one. Mm -hmm. How did you know, uh, who, who, who told you, how, where did you learn how to actually put the magazine together? Um, I fumbled through it on my own. <laughs> I didn't really have any actual schooling in something like that in the business end of a magazine. I knew how to do all the creative end just because I had done yeah. the editorial shoots and I knew what went into creative direction and all of that. Um, I have creative writing behind me, so I've done articles in the past. Uh, I think the only part that I was really missing was the sort of the business end of it. So I just kind of, you know, took what I knew and thought, well, nobody's going to tell me I'm wrong because nobody's doing this. <laughs> yeah. So kind of paving the way. And so I've made mistakes and I'm still making mistakes, but I'm also doing something that seems to be right because people are, you know, responding. So. Yeah. Did you have anyone in the family who would guide you or help you with the business side of things? Um, actually, my mom is really good with business. Um, she's not too creative, <laughs> but she's really good with business. Um, she was office manager for years and uh, paralegal. So she has a lot of like structural organization behind her. And, like, I didn't know how to set up an office. I didn't know how to set up QuickBooks and all that stuff. So she's helped me with a lot of that. And then I do have a team that volunteers for me. As I can kind of call on them and say, hey, I need some help in this. And they'll, you know, they'll volunteer their time and help me figure it out and kind of coach me through it. So, yeah. But yeah. I would say my mom is definitely the one who helped me to get started in that. Yeah. So when you just started um, your work on a magazine, you also, you said, looked after your son who wasn't well and you were home educating. Mm -hmm. That's quite an undertaking, isn't it? It's 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 quite a bit of a job, isn't it, to look after you know full time after a child who may not be as well, mm -hmm. uh, and also start start up your own business. How did it how did it go? Um, well, when in the beginning, when he was still um, medically unstable, if you will, that's all I did was take care of him. I, I did nothing. Yeah. Else. I was just. Yeah. Um, but as he got cleared medically and the number of doctor visits sort of weaned and all of that, um, we did try regular school with him, brick and mortar, but it just was not good for him. It just, it didn't work well because although in many ways he is on grade level, there are some things that he's not on grade level. And so it just was a real, um, you know, he encountered some bullying and some, you know, not good stuff. So. Yeah. husband and I decided we were going to try it. Now, I had no idea what I was getting myself into because, you know, I never did that before. Um, but it was important that whatever we could do to give him the best chance in life, that's what we were going to do. And so, yeah, first year was pretty crazy and tumultuous. And it, he was adjusting and I was adjusting and learning how to homeschool and all that. We actually use an online service for virtual school. But now we're four years into it. And now it's like old hat and we know how to integrate his school day with my work day. And literally we'll sit at one end of the table to do his school day. And then yeah. we'll over, I scoot to the other end of the table and turn on my business computer and start working on photography or whatever needs to come up. So 
you know, it, it was a huge transition, but it, and very scary, but it, it really was the best thing for all of us and our family. And, um, you know, it is scary, but it's definitely something that should be considered if, you know, if you feel like that's a good direction for your family. So, yeah. So in the beginning of you starting a magazine, um, obviously, you know, when you start a new business, like 80% of the time you spend trying to acquire new customers, new clients, and then maybe 20% of the time you, you try to kind of keep them. Yeah. <laughs> How did you go about finding new clients? Because because a lot of businesses they fail in if in a few in a couple of years of, of you know starting up, and these are very crucial sort of years uh, of a startup. How did it go for you? So for me, I actually have um, numerous clients. Um, the demographic, or or I guess my clientele, is in multiple ranges. So I have the fashion professionals who want to be seen and published. So that's one of my clients, if you will. And then I have the um, the subscribers and the readers. That's another client base. And then I have the advertisers and sponsors. So I have multiple client bases, which is really helpful and unique kind of, I think, to my business. But as far as I definitely had to cultivate all the rest of it, as far as clients go, except for the business professionals, because having been in fashion in and out of fashion for almost 30 years, I had quite a buildup of um, a Rolodex. I knew a lot of models. I knew a lot of designers. It's just from my, you know, living life kind of in that field. So when I first started, it it was a little bit more difficult um, because people didn't, there wasn't a physical magazine. So to get people to kind of go, oh, sure, you know, well, we believe in you was a little difficult. But having that range was not difficult. It was just finding people who were willing to kind of give us a shot. And now, five years later, I mean, I have professional talent that is you know I have to turn them away and that's really that's the hardest part for me because my goal is to give the opportunity that I wasn't able to have to others and so when I have to turn people away because of content limitations or or show limitations or whatever that makes me feel badly but um, as long as I am representing 100% of the population so that is my main focus is is 100% inclusion. So whether you're petite or plus, whether you're mature or child, whether you're LGBTQ or challenge, whatever, we represent everybody and we make sure that everybody is shown as beautiful. So um, it's important to me to have diversity in every aspect of what we're doing. So, yeah. But um, going back to the... (laughs) Um, to the time when you just started sort of working on the magazine, uh, was there a time when you felt like it was a bit too much and mm-hmm. you couldn't get through, you couldn't get new clients? And did you have any self-doubt back then? Oh, my, all the way. Every day I have self-doubt. Like, what am I doing? Still. But <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, so... Absolutely, I did. You know, the only part that I was confident in is the photography end. I knew that I know that I'm good at editorial fashion photography. I'm good at the whole creative direction, finding the location, setting up the design, getting the models, all of that I'm really good at. So that was the only thing that I was like 100% confident about. Um, Everything else, 
every day I deal with, what am I doing, you know, and why am I doing this? And I'm crazy. This is insane. It's never going to (laughs) work. But you just keep trudging away at it. You know, I am blessed in that I don't require the income from my business that many entrepreneurs do. Um, because my husband, of course, we are one income family based on, you know, my son's issues. So when I make revenue, it just goes back into the business. So I'm blessed in that way. If I have a bad month, it's not the end of my business where it would be for a lot of people, you know? So, um, and that, in that respect, it's a little different for me, but it, 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 clientele is always hard finding new subscribers, new readers. Um, we ended up actually um, hiring a publicist this year, which is the first time I've done that because um, I just didn't have the time to put into cultivating new clients, you know? So I think the most important thing is to understand where your valued talents are and to outsource or seek um, partnerships with people who can help you with what your shortcomings are. So I'm good if that's all I have to do is cultivate clients, but then I don't have a business. Do you know? Yeah. 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 So that's what we ended up doing this year was outsourcing and to help get those clients going and to help, you know, the um, media coverage and all that type of stuff. So um, the content is not an issue for us at all. It's, it's all the rest of it. It's the readership. It's the um, advertisers. And yeah, it's a, it's a full-time job constantly looking for new clients. Yeah, but I mean, I can, I can, I can, I can relate to to what you're saying. You know, looking after a child because a couple of years ago I was running my own business on Amazon, and when he was born, uh, my son and is we've been waiting for him for, for quite some time. You see, everything just kind of went to the second place when he was born, and and the lack of sleep. I mean. I, I I don't remember the first year of my life. <laughs> Never mind me running a business. <laughs> Did you sleep at all? <laughs> Looking um, after your son and starting this almost business. Almost eight when I started actually doing my business. Yeah. So my focus was him for the first. I mean, I have two older children too. Yeah. But, um, they were quite you know sufficient on their own and of course they require attention but they did not require the kind of medical constant attention that that my youngest did yeah so um they actually helped me to sort of navigate the whole world because this was new for everybody a whole new lifestyle overnight and um so the first few years until he was completely settled medically and we were settled into homeschooling and and I felt like I had provided the parenting situation that I needed to for him. Yeah. The only time that I started doing something different because, um, like you said, everything is secondary to your child. So, yeah. 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 But I didn't sleep. No, I it definitely three was for me. <laughs> I didn't sleep because he was very oh. go for a long time. So, yeah, it's, it, it's hard uh, as is to run a business, but when you have a child, it's kind of, yeah. Mm. Where do you get energy from? But of course, you um, you also in a very competitive industry as well. How do you how do you um, find your footing? How do you compete? I mean, there are so many sharks out there in fashion industry. I mean, yes, there are. But yeah, I think that's what makes us different is that we are 
sort of bringing light to the sharks. We are the antithesis and we are the ones that are saying that it doesn't have to be how fashion is. Um, you know, there's a more positive end to fashion and, um, it's, it's hugely saturated in the international markets and the large markets, but in the smaller markets like the Midwest or the Southwest, or there's not much competition. Um, so what I have found after I started my magazine was that there's actually like five other women in the Midwest that are on the same trajectory as I am. And our focus is 100% inclusion. So, um, we all are sort of cultivating um, symbiotically this whole new fashion industry that yeah. really doesn't exist. So while there is a lot of competition in fashion for us, we are lifting each other. We're not competitive. We're trying to create the industry that we're looking to, that we would like our kids in, you know, as opposed to the one that's really out there. Yeah. So yeah, so I think that's a little different for us too. Is that you know we're really creating an industry, so we we have really we create what it's going to be. We decide, you know, is it going to be positive? Is it going to be negative? Is it going to be you know inclusive? Is it not going to be inclusive? So um, while I feel like my magazine and my entities offer a lot more than some of the other women in our area, all of us together are providing incredible opportunities for fashion um, for fashion professionals. So. Yeah. In my professional uh, sort of life, uh, I've I had an opportunity to be involved in a Creative Spark project, which was funded by the, um, the British Council. And it was all dedicated to development of uh, entrepreneurship in the fashion industry in Central Asia. Oh, okay. So yeah. So last year, um, I think it was last January, I went to a country called Kazakhstan in Central Asia. And we, uh, we run like a seminar for fashion designers and... I also flew there to do some master, to teach some master classes, entrepreneurship ma- master classes. And uh, what we found through our interaction with fashion designers is that a lot of fashion designers, they're so creative. They know how to put materials together. They know how to choose colors and stuff like that. But they are lacking of business skills and 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 marketing skills, and and they just Almost, you know, they see an opportunity to be creative, and they sometimes jump from jump from getting involved in one side of the business. For example, say designing clothes, and then they want to do something with um, fashion works and stuff like that. And they almost like move from one creative project to another creative project. So, what um, you know? Did you have the same sort of? Um, uh, when you started uh, working on your business, did you have any, you know, uh, problems running a business because you were lacking of some business skills? And how did you overcome this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was lacking at a lot of business skills <laughs> because, like you, like you mentioned, a lot of times creatives are are really good at creative, but not necessarily good at you know business and vice versa. Um, I was very lacking at business skills. Uh, how I got through it was I asked my mom, you know, I I did a lot of research online. I I joined a lot of groups, Facebook groups and things like that to say, Hey, I have this problem. What, you know, how did you handle it? Um, 
I basically asked, you know. I didn't have the um, luxury of like a local college class or a local business class by, you know, professionals or anything like that. So I just, I just called on friends and family and said, Hey, how do I handle this? And um, I think that that's a good way to get started. And then when the business gets really to the point that it's even too big for, for the um, novice group, then, then you start seeking out, you know, real, but hopefully by then, you have some revenue because that you know when you actually seek out a business course or a business coach you know that's not something that's going to be done in kind or you know voluntarily you have to have enough of a revenue to be able to pay somebody yeah. and so yeah. that's where it gets kind of sticky you know do you have enough money to pay someone who can really coach you through it or do you need to kind of barter it through and you know which is pretty much how I run my business as much as possible just because I like the revenue to go back into the business as opposed to paying me personally. I'm, I'm trying to grow the business for others more than for myself. I mean, I love doing it, but I do it so that I can provide opportunities to models who have dreams or designers who, you know, want to want to show in New York fashion week or, you know, so I, I definitely had the same issues. Trust me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So what advice would you give to, say, uh, designers, fashion designers, or maybe photographers who want to start their own businesses? Mm -hmm. As fashion, I would mm -hmm. say um, you absolutely have to seek out partnerships. Unless you're planning to actually go to the main markets like New York or L.A. or Milan or wherever you might be, London, um, you really need to, to find partnerships in the local industry and, and sort of get your feet wet and um, gain the resume. Because when you get to the larger markets, they want to see that you know what you're doing. That you know, I mean, there's a thousand people vying for the same job. So you have to have experience and you have to have an incredible portfolio or lookbook. And um, I would say, first of all, believe in yourself no matter what. And second of all, know that it's going to take work and that you have to partner and um, find um, symbiotic relationships along the way because it, it's just, it can be done by yourself, but it's, you know, it's much, much less traumatic if you have someone who you can bounce it off of and say, oh my gosh, what do I do or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, we've mentioned, um, uh, you know, business skills, uh, but you're probably aware that many entrepreneurs also suffer from so-called shiny object syndrome, <laughs> They, especially solopreneurs. They start a business and then they think, oh, I need to learn this. Oh, I don't know this. I need to learn um, Facebook marketing. I need to learn how to do videos. And, and they end up kind of learning a lot of stuff. And uh, what, what advice would you give to them? Well, I, I don't think it's ever bad to learn something new, but I do think that when you learn, when you, you put a lot of energy into learning all of these things that you're maybe not so great at, then you, what you are great at suffers. Um, so for me, the product, which is the magazine itself, what goes into it, the content that I'm sharing, that is more important to have a good solid product than it is to learn how to do Facebook marketing. So that's when I go seek someone else to help me through it or coach me through it or even in kind, you know, I'll give a free subscription to somebody who who maybe could do the marketing for you, a high school student who knows social media in and out, you know, 
and just do a barter with them, you know, Hey, we want to come do a photo shoot with us or whatever. So, um, I, I would be very cautious to learn everything because you can't be good at everything. I would be more cautious to make sure that you stay focused on what you're good at and what your business is, and then seek out others that can help you with whatever your shortcomings are. Yeah. Do you consider yourself um, being a perfectionist? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm definitely an overachiever. So I have, um, yeah, I have that problem. And then most of the people around me would say, uh-oh, she's thinking again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, okay, let's do a fashion week. I think, well, if we're going to do fashion week, then it's got to be this. And, you know, everybody, you know, so... Um, I'm an overachiever and a perfectionist, but I'm only a perfectionist for myself. Like I understand that other people, I understand that people aren't perfect, including myself, but I always am holding myself to a bigger standard. You know, you can do better. You can do better. Come on, just a little bit more effort, you know? So for me, I'm definitely a perfectionist. Yes. If, if it's not done 110%, I'm not going to put my energy into it at all. Do you think you would um, probably achieve more if you weren't a perfectionist? Probably because, um, like I said, because I spend a lot of time on each task to make sure all the details are right. And it takes me an entire year to plan Ohio Fashion Week. So, and it's a one-day show. But it's everything. Like, we literally are down to, you know, what do the menus look like? And, you know, what does the runway look like? And what does backstage look like? And, you know, do we have enough outlets for everybody, you know? So um, if I didn't put that much perfectionism into things, I think I could accomplish more widely. But I don't know if it would be better because it wouldn't be as um, complete in my, you know. I mean, I want to offer quality more than quantity. So. Yeah. Also, you know, you're running uh, several businesses. How do you um, how do you find time to run multiple businesses? So it's it's actually kind of ironic because I was just saying that too many things makes it not good. But for me, all of these businesses are all just like parts of the same business. So, um, I mean, as a photographer. I have been shooting models for 30 years. So managing models is just normal for me. You know, I just made it an actual business about five years ago. But I've been doing it for 30 years, teaching models how to pose and how to walk a runway and how to find their light and all that. As a photographer, I teach that without even like thinking about it. So there's two of my businesses right there that are just part of the same thing. And then, of course, editorial photography and fashion needs a designer. So, you know, I mean, it just kind of all runs together for us. So it's not, um, I know it sounds like I'm doing like a hundred different things, but they're all integrated. So um, I just have to remember to like isolate this job or this photo shoot is for the magazine. So we can't share it. This, this shoot is for one of my DMSM models. So it's, it's just portfolio work for them. So that can be shared. So like um, compartmentalizing like that, I think is the hardest part. So, but other than that, everything is just kind of, it's all wrapped up together, you know? So, yeah. So how do you prioritize in your day? So what comes I, first? How, what's, what's your typical day? Yeah. Just run so through your typical day. always first and foremost, getting through school if it's a school day. 
Um, but if there's no school or we're done with school, my main priority businesses are the magazine and the modeling management for me personally. I will always be a commercial photographer. It's my first love. I will never give that up. But as part of the magazine and as part of managing models, I get to do my photography. So all the rest of these things are awesome and great extensions, but those are the two priorities for me, making sure that I develop models safely so they learn how to get through this industry with some sense of um, normalcy and knowing red flags to look for and that kind of stuff. Um, And then the magazine is something that I plan on doing for a very long time. And um, the rest of it, if we continue, great. But if I run out of energy or resources, those are the two we would pare down to. Yeah. Do you work uh, on weekends? I don't think I'm ever not working. So like just before we got on this interview, I was sewing masks because um, I have um, some local businesses and schools that I've been doing masks for. And uh, like, I'm never not working. I'm either interviewing somebody else or I'm setting up photo shoots or I'm booking models or I'm sewing masks or making clothes because I do show my clothes on the runway in different parts of the world. So um, I'm always on if you will but it's it's helpful because all my kids have had their moments in learning how to help me do my business so I can call on them and say hey you guys I need I need help you know this photo shoot can you caddy for me you know and they know exactly what they need to do and um so it's almost like a family business which makes things a lot easier for us but yeah so how do you avoid burnout because entrepreneurs can have a burnout, right? Because they're yeah. involved in so many projects. Yeah. Um, the only time that I ever... I, I am not good sitting still. I have to be productive, whether it's just sewing a mask or making a piece of clothing or putting on a fashion show. Um, so I don't really run out of energy or, or hit burnout on a typical situation. When I hit burnout is after the the fashion show it's been a year in the making i've been doing all these other things along the way and the week before is like insanely crazy like 18 hour days you know problems this person cancels problem after problem um you know solution after solution it's really exhausting and that's when i hit burnout is right after the show like literally for a week i don't even answer my phone <laughs> so i'm like nope leave a message not going to do a thing so i have to kind of like regroup and sort of just kind of center myself and start all over but that's really the only time that i've had issues but it happens every year every year the end of september first week of october don't talk to me <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. I, 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 I'll have you on the podcast <laughs> before this crazy time. So what do you do to, you know, to relax and, you know, recharge? What do you do? What's your strategy for recharging? I love to shop. <laughs> There's a surprise. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but I don't shop for like your typical stuff. First of all, I love thrifting and then reinventing. 
Um, so I do a lot of thrifting and I do a lot of fabric shopping. Like I do notion shopping and things like that because I do sew and make clothes as well. So, um, the kind of shopping I do is not what, like going out looking for a new dress. You know, I'm going out looking for fabric in an old junky dress that I can reinvent, you know? So that's kind of what I love to do, even though that's my work. When I am not under a deadline or under the gun, you know, to make sure that I have something that fits the right person or whatever, when I have more creativity, more time to really have fun with it, that's that's like my relaxing time, you know. And, and of course, being with my family, I love being with them. And um, yeah, just I'm, I'm we have beautiful backyard that we've spent. So I, I spend a lot of time. I work outside sometimes, too, which is awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a, a resilient entrepreneur? Hmm. I don't. I don't know. Resi- maybe resilient. Yeah. I, I can always come up with a creative solution. Okay. So I don't know if that'd be considered resilient because I don't bouncing back from difficulties, mm-hmm. um, yeah. getting back on your feet. Yeah. When um, things go bad. I can always find a way around it. So I'm going to say, yeah, probably. Yeah. Like it doesn't get me down, even though I have days where I'm just like, and some days it's every day where it's just moments where I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I even, you know, banging my head against the wall for this? Um, But I always am able to find like the strength inside myself. I mean, it's just uh, this I am in a position where I've always dreamed of being. I just thought it would be somebody else's magazine that I was working for. I didn't know it would be my own. So this actually is kind of like my dream job. I And I get to be at home. And, you know, the only thing that's really missing is the income. <laughs> but thankfully, like I said, you know, we, we voluntarily return the income into the, into the magazine and into the business to try to improve opportunities for others. So. Yeah. So what was the most challenging um, time for you running these multiple businesses since the beginning? Um, I would say like year two, you were saying like the first, you know, few years are pretty pivotal. Uh, Before we actually launched, I had spent a lot of time um, doing like polls on is is, is there, you know, people out there who want to see this kind of a magazine from the Midwest are there professionals who want to participate in this? I had spent a lot of time doing that kind of research. And I had reached out to a lot of people that I knew from the industry to bolster what we were doing, you know, to kind of listen, I need somebody in your area who can be my go-to person, you know, in Cincinnati. I, I mean, I had people all over the Midwest, key people that I could just call on. Um, and so before we started, I had a really key team in place. And within two years, one by one, they all kind of like, well, this isn't, you know, you know, I mean, they just moved on to other things. And um, so that was probably the worst when we got to like the second year. And I was like, the only one left all these people, we were going to do this together. And I was like, the only one left. I had one other person who is still there, but is, is so far away that, you know, she's really not there, you know, on a daily basis. So that was the hardest part for me. That's when my husband said, don't give up. Just don't give up. Cause I was like, you know what? I, nobody wants this. 
obviously the people, the key people in the industry don't even care enough to participate anymore. So it can't be something that we need, but my husband was really on me and saying, no, come on, you, you know, you're good at this, you know what you're doing. And, and I'm glad that I did because, you know, it, we are able to, I don't know if launch careers is the right way to say it, but we're able to give startups and um, first opportunities to, to new models and new designers and, you know, give opportunities. We have, I have models that have walked in uh, Paris and Milan and I have models who've walked in New York and, you know, their dream was to walk in Miami fashion week. And I've been able to, you know, to offer that to them. So that's what is more satisfying to me. And that's, why I'm so glad that I didn't give up in the second year. Cause I thought nobody wants this. I'm the only one that sees value in this, you know, so it's hard. It's hard. There's, you know, you just have to keep trusting in your own talent. Yeah. So if, if you were to sort of call it with one word, uh, what, what, what's been driving you all these years, what would it be? Just one word. How would you, Explain this. What, what was driving you all these yeah. years? Passion. Yeah, I love what I love the industry. I love the creativity in the position that I'm in. Being a fashion photographer is like always been my dream. Um, I love being able to provide opportunities for people who have passion. Um, you know, it, it's an industry that if you don't. You know, if you're not like perfect model, six foot size zero, nobody else is going to look at you, you know, so it's really important to me. And, and I'm really passionate about giving opportunity to show beauty in everybody, not just the six foot tall model. You know, I mean, I happen to be six foot tall and I happen to have been a model. So I know what's in the industry. Um, and and I think that there's a safe way to be positive in this industry. It doesn't have to be negative all the way through. So what keeps me going is the passion to, um, to develop new people into the industry and, uh, and really bring the Midwest to the world and the world to the Midwest. You know, we have so much talent here that people don't even know about. So <laughs> that's why you there to, to share the word. <laughs> You see, now you're talking to someone in the UK and uh, know, right? I'm definitely going to suggest our colleagues and uh, project partners in um, Almayu. We've been working with, um, you know, to, to, to look at this podcast because I think they'll, they'll get lots of insights. I'm sorry. We, um, while we focus on the Midwest, we are not limited to the Midwest. In fact, our current issue actually features two designers from Madagascar. Um, and we have featured and continue to feature at fashion week, um, a designer out of South Africa. We've done Nigeria. So we've had Japanese. So, I mean, we're not limited to the Midwest. Um, so that's why we say bringing the world to the Midwest and the world and the Midwest of the world, you know, because while we focus on that, we're not limited to that at all. So, Yeah. No, it's great, great insights from you about, you know, how to run a business. I guess passion is everything, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's something that will drive you through, through challenges. And um, this is maybe why people give up because they just end up doing something. They think they're just making a little bit of money here and there, but it's not really their passion. And then when difficult times come, then... They kind of go, okay, maybe it's not for me. Maybe I can go on 
pursue a different shiny object. (laughs) And, and, you know, everything gets difficult. There's no doubt. We all know that everything gets difficult. And if you don't really have the passion for what you're doing, then it's really easy to say, next shiny object, you know. I mean, anyone can make, I mean, I could make money as a graphic designer. I did it for years, you know. Um, And I could do that from home easily. But it's not my passion. You know, I love doing graphic design as part of what I'm doing, but I don't want to be a graphic designer. So if that's what my business was, I probably would have folded two years ago because I'd be like, I just don't want to put that much effort into it. It's hard. It's difficult. I don't want to get up and look at that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. So what? what (laughs) Passion is everything. I mean, like that's the core. Yeah. So what uh, advice would you give um, specifically to female entrepreneurs? Because obviously this is our audience. We want to encourage as many female entrepreneurs to, you know, give it a try if they haven't started, you know, um, if they're just starting the business and kind of give them enough motivation to go through the difficult times. Mm -hmm. So what would be your advice to these um, entrepreneurs? Um, I would say that, it's the same as, as the rest. You just need to believe in yourself. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're female, if you're male, it doesn't matter if you're 20 or if you're 60, if, if there's a passion for what you're doing, then you can make your way through it. Even if it's a saturated industry, you're bringing, every single person brings something different to the table. So, I mean, there's other people who do fashion in the Midwest, but I bring a magazine that nobody else brings, you know. I manage models, and there's only two other management groups in the area, you know. So, it doesn't, as long as you're passionate about it and you believe in yourself, you're going to be fine. It doesn't matter if you're female or male. And um, the other thing that I would say is to not, um, not hold fast to the fact that you're female and not... Um, you know, not like, like feel like, well, I'm female, they're going to hold me down. You know, that you need to be strong, strong in being a female, yet at the same time, you need to not be saying, well, I'm female, so now you're going to make, you know, give it to me, I'm a female, you know, so yeah. you, you work just as hard as everybody else, but you also have to be confident that you're just as good as everybody else. Yeah. So what's next for Jackie Bertalette? What's next project? <laughs> What's new uh, business <laughs> to add to portfolio? <laughs> yeah. So actually we have two things that we're kind of working on. We just um, launched the Great Lakes Fashion Network, which we're hoping to turn into a nonprofit for um, prevention and awareness of trafficking, which is a huge problem in our industry. So that is like a whole nother offshoot. So um, that's kind of where my, my next goal is. And we're also looking as far as the actual businesses, we're looking to do more online content as far as blogging and as far as interviews with models and more behind the scenes kind of stuff at a photo shoot and um, sort of a little bit more of what it really is like to be in the fashion industry. You know, the good at the bad and the ugly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those are the two we're working on and in tandem with everything that we're working on. So... No, I, w- I wish you all the success uh, for the future and with, with your new projects, new businesses. It it, it sounds amazing uh, what, what you do. And yeah, uh, it's you find the right 
niche you found the, you found the right industry and you're happy you 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 know, know. Mm-hmm. you you are and happy from, and this, that's yes, from the, you know this is one of the things where um you know from tragedy becomes triumph you know i mean i, I would still be working my day job had my son not been ill and mm. at the time that he was ill i did not understand why this was happening to him you know he was 10 days old or i'm sorry 10 weeks old i mean what what did he do you know so it took a long time to understand where the triumph was in that tragedy but now that we can look back on it it's exactly that moment that changed everything and not only changed his life changed my life changed all the professionals that we touched their lives so it really is it you know you just never know why things happen but they always happen for the right reasons yeah sure Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing your amazing story. I wish you all the success and good luck with everything. Thank you so much. It was so nice to talk to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please send me any comments or feedback. If you're an entrepreneur and want to share your story, please contact me. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, please see the social media links and uh, links to offers from my guests on the podcast notes. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Octopus Voice Agency, who create chatbots and voice skills on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So I'm really excited uh, to tell you that this podcast is now available as an Alexa skill, uh, so you can search for resilient entrepreneur uh, skill and enable it as a flash briefing. So that's all for me. Um, I wish I wish you good mental health, and you are just one mind hack away. Till next time.